and welcome to the knock on scoreline.ie's rugby podcast. I'm Stephen Byrne and over the next while we're going to pay tribute to former Ireland international rugby player Kilkenny man Gary Halpin. Gary passed away on Tuesday the 23rd of February at his home. He's well known at a local level with his involvement in education and in sport being a part of Kilkenny Rugby Club like his father before him. In his rugby career he played for Leinster, London Irish and Ireland getting 11 caps in the green jersey. He was also a hammer thrower and represented Ireland at European competitions. He's of course famously known for scoring Ireland's first ever try in a World Cup against the All Blacks and not only did he get the score, he did a middle finger celebration to the New Zealand players afterwards. Today we're going to remember him and speak to a few former players, Mick Galway, Chris Pym and Ian Dowling. First we're going to hear from his good friend Mick Galway. Mick, how are you? I'm good Stephen, I'm good. Good stuff. Um, you know, considering what's, what's happening all over the world, and I suppose we're considering what we're going to talk about. We're all going to help, and you know what I mean? It's good to be, look, it's good to be alive, and we count our blessings. Tough times, but at the same time, um, when you look at the, the Halpin family, things could be a lot worse, I suppose. Absolutely. There's plenty of rugby going on at the moment, but all that goes to the back of your mind when you lose someone so young, um, and obviously was a friend of yours as well. You would have been quite close to him. And uh, I think everyone got a bit of a shock as well. Gary had a huge personality. He was gas man, a great man for the stories. I've had experience of that as well. Yeah, um, yeah, I've met yeah. him a few times and you just come away from the conversation, Mick, just smiling and going, he's a gas man. He's a man for the stories. Um, and that's been one of the big things this week when people are talking back and reminiscing. Is, uh, there's a huge personality there, wasn't there? Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? I would have come across Gary, I think. You would have been playing with Rockwell. And I remember years ago, we were, I suppose, I would have been playing with Munster under 18's club side. So I would have come across Gary when I was like 17 or he was 17 or whatever. You're like, we're the same age. Um, he was 55 there only recently. I'll be 55 later on the year. So that's when we, we kind of met up first. And then obviously Gary's had a huge career, I suppose, between I suppose his athletics career, and then he was in he, you know, obviously the rugby, and then I became across him again in, in, in rugby squads, and then you know, um, I remember in 1990 we, we went into the Irish rugby squad around the same time, and he was picked straight away to play for England. Uh, through the years, I would have toured, we would have toured in South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, and not to mention the many times that we played, I suppose, with each other and against each other, in fact, and. Um, Obviously, then being back here in Kilkenny, and I, I would have known, like, I would have known his dad and, and mom well and known his family. So, you know, we, we, we go back a long way. And I suppose everyone could say that, that, that Gary was one of their best friends because every time you met him, God, it was all positivity. It was all fun. It was all crack. I would love to have met him two weeks ago. If you was there, we'd do a bit of a walk and I met him over in, in, in uh, near Woody's in Kilkenny. And, outside Costa Coffee and I had a great chat with him and uh, he met a couple of my friends who he had never met before and started telling them stories and it was just it was just fantastic and when I say that it, it was a lovely memory just to you know um, that was my last memory of him but anybody who, who knew Gary anybody who was lucky enough to be in his company would certainly um, would have been in the better of it and um, you know the world is at a, a big loss because um he was one of the greats. How are you feeling yourself, Mick, this week? 
Yeah, it's 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 a funny week, you know. It like it's it came down the other day about lockdown again until the the fifth of April, and then you're trying to stay positive, and you have to stay positive, and then you're hit with this this, this bombshell. You know what I mean? On 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 Wednesday morning, and I'm thinking, my God, this is tough. This all of a sudden now everything is tough. But look, you have to stay positive. You have to keep going. Um, you know, I suppose. People can always say things are worse. I look at my other buddy there, poor Peter Glass, he lost his house yesterday, you know what I mean? And God, it's tough, it's hard. You're hearing all these 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 horrific stories, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, for Peter, at least he's around, you know what I mean? I'm sure Gary wouldn't mind losing his house if he was around today. So, you know, and that's and that's, that's the way it is. But it's, these are all very tough stories. And... Um, you're taking a toll on everybody, and there's no doubt about it. And Mick, have you? Um, do you keep in contact with your with your rugby mates? I suppose you've your own friends, obviously. But is there a group of uh, ex-playing buddies and everything that you sort of have a WhatsApp group or anything like that? You know that can yeah. have a bit of support. Yeah, yeah, we do. We we do. Uh, like we have, we I've jeez, I'm on three or four different rugby WhatsApp groups. You know what I mean? We we have. Um, we have a monster one. We have a Limerick one. I am on the cock one as well as it happens. You know what I mean? But, um, meant to be. <laughs> I don't know, but anyway, see, I'm from Kerry, so I can, I can get away with being on both. They both kind of claim me in a, in a funny way, or maybe disown me. It was probably the best way of putting it. And funnily enough, we had um, we, we we toured with Ireland and New Zealand in in '92, and we were organising a reunion, part of which Gary was on. You know what I mean? And uh, Paul McCarthy, you remember Paul McCarthy played with Carcon Munster in Ireland. He's maybe mainly behind it. So that 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 group is very much alive this week because that's one of the great groups that uh, I'll say that's was one of the great tours. And particularly Gary was on it because it was a tough tour. We went to New Zealand in '92, and my God, uh, uh, it was it was hard going. You know, I think we played about eight matches. We were there for six or seven weeks. You know what I mean? Wow. It's a hard place to tour. Um. We had a few good wins, and but we had a, we we got a few hammerings along the way as well. Yeah. And I remember uh, we were only talking during the week there that Gary was a great man to have a tour in situations like that because you know uh, being away in New Zealand, getting hammered was not always you know wasn't very easy. But you needed somebody, you needed a good camp, and you needed somebody to to get you out of the doldrums. And and I think it was Gary's job every time just to get up and. Keep you know, forget about the game and keep it going, and, and that was about it. But yeah, yeah, it's great to have the the the, the, um, the WhatsApp groups. And the other thing we've had over the last number of years, since we've all retired, or particularly, we've had the, the rugby legends matches. You know what I mean? I know we're getting a bit older for it now, but um, that was somewhere like every year we'd kind of get together and and play a match, and in in you know, and it, it it was a great cause. It was for the rugby, the injured rugby players. You know what I mean? So. From that point of view, it was fantastic, but it gave us the opportunity just to catch up. And the good thing, I suppose, is is about you know when you when you play with lads down through the years, you might be contacting them with six months or maybe sometimes you might not see them for the year. When you meet up, that's 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 when it just it just kicks off again, and there's a smile, and you remember some time we were out playing a game or whatever. And 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 particularly, I suppose, Gary summed that up because he was certainly very much part of what we'd call the legends thing, but um. He was the life and soul behind it as well. Yeah, I often hear rugby players when they retire, they really, really miss the 
the crack and the camaraderie uh, and the dressing room and that stuff. You know, it's not the media stuff. It's not the it's not anything else. It's the crack and everything. And when you get back to those legends matches, Mick, it must be great to be sitting in a dressing room, throwing on your old boots if they still fit. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and just having that crack, it just brings you back there. Even if it's only briefly, it gets you back in that. And, and, and you know, you can reminisce and have the crack and everything, you know, be it 10, 15 years later or whenever. Ah, yeah, and that's, and that's the great crack of it. I like it. There might be some fella that brought a few pounds, you know what I mean? And you'd be able to slag them or some other fella maybe who lost weight, you know what I mean? Like they had to be on, they'd have been muscular and all of a sudden, you know, so look, anything at all goes, um, you know, and it's just a slag, it's just a bit of crack. And, uh, you know, and, and I suppose you've got to have to give it and take it. That's that's the way it is. But yeah, look, it's great. It's, it's great to catch up with old friends in any walk of life. But I suppose in particular with fellas that he would have been, I suppose, in the trenches with, and we, you'd, you'd have had good days with him and you'd have had bad days with him. But at the end of the day, you'd still like to think that they're your friends. And, and, and you know, it's great. It's just great to catch up with, with, with old friends. And, you know, I suppose going forward now, we'll appreciate it more than ever. You know what I mean? If we're lucky enough again to get back to some kind of normality, um, I think the future will prove to us all that, look, Life is for living and, you know, let's make the most of it and let's catch up with people we haven't caught up with in a long time and particularly go see them and, and, and do the things that we couldn't do in lockdown. I think that's, that's something we all have to learn. I think absolutely that's true. I was out running this morning when the sun was coming up and the man I run with, he's about 20 years older than me. He says to me, aren't we very, very lucky to be able to get up in the mornings and do this stuff? And I was like, it stopped true. briefly, yeah. And I said it. I said, yeah, absolutely, we surely are. You know, freezing cold yeah, doesn't yeah. matter. It's a, I know. It's a nice He's way to be. That. Absolutely. Have yeah. you any particular memory of Gary that stands out for you over the years, be it off the pitch or on? Ah, sure, look, there's so many of them. Tons you know what I mean? I heard, a, I heard a great story um, the other day. I don't know. that I remember Gary telling me the story years ago, you know. But he was over playing for London Irish and they were playing against Leicester, which would have been, a, you know, that'd be the Leicester team back, back in the day, which was the, the real good team. Even when Dean Richards was playing with them, you know, Martin Johnson, all these lads. But Gary was a bit late for the game, you know, and he just, and Clive Woodward, I think, was coaching them at the time, you know. So Gary uh, pulled in into, into just somebody back then when they, when they, they played and he just literally abandoned the car, you know what I mean? Of course, the place was getting fuller and fuller. And they were in the middle of the match, you know, maybe 10 minutes into the match. And, of course, Gary had left his car, like, and all of a sudden it was spotted and somebody wanted to get in or out or whatever. So it came out over the loudspeaker. They were just going in for a scrum. It came out over the loudspeaker. And uh, the announcer said, the car owner and Gary drove a big old Volvo estate. The Volvo estate was causing obstruction. Please move it. You know what I mean? And Gary is going into the scrum. And he says, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute, says Gary. So he he just broke off from the scrum, ran over to the sideline, and the players and the referee are wondering, what is this fella on about? And what's he up to? So he went over to someone on the sideline. That's my car, he says. Will you get the keys out in the dressing room and move it? And he comes back to the lads. And he says, Where were you? That's my car, he says. And everybody bursts laughing, you know. Straight back into the scrum. <laughs> Straight back into the scrum. But only Gary would get away with it. And, you know, there's there's... There's umpteen stories like that. There's no doubt about it. But he's um, he was a great look. He was a great man for the crack. A great man for the stories. I remember in 1992, we'd just been hammered by 
New Zealand by 60 points, you know, and we just got back into business. We, we should have beat them in the first test. And we kind of thought we had a chance in the second, and we scored first. And this was thankfully back when the try was only four points. So we went up 6 0, and they beat us like 59 6, I think was the score. Ouch. We came back into the dressing room, and nobody could say a word. Like, no, we couldn't even look at someone. We were just absolutely shattered, deflated, and the whole lot. And Gary was in the corner, and he just put up his hand. And he says, Jesus, lads, there's some rugby men. He says, like that. <laughs> <laughs> Good man, Gary. Silence. Good man, Gary, you know what I mean? Stated the obvious. If anybody else had said it, they'd have been killed. But Gary said it. And look, you know what? The tour is over. Let's get out with it. And that was it. Uh, absolutely. Um, I suppose the social life back uh, that time um, uh, in parallel with the playing was was as, was as tough on the body as well, was it, Mick? <laughs> it was, and certainly they were back in the amateur days. And, you know, I suppose there was a number of us that, that went from being, I suppose, amateurs into, into pros. And it, was, it was tough going. I mean, look, it was great and we were, we were delighted to do it. But yeah, the social life was all part of it. And do you know something? I look back at it and... and, and it was great to have it. You know what I mean? Like I look at I look at rugby players now, particularly during lockdown at the moment. Like you see, fellas, like and they're they're playing international games, they're playing Pro Fourteen week in week out, and um, they can't even like, you know, they can't even socialise with the people they're playing at after. They can't, you know, sit down for a meal. You know what I mean? They're mind to drink, and um, that's tough. But um. Certainly, part of, part of the amateur days was, was very good, and like the biggest challenge always was. I remember at international level, you'd be sitting at the same table as your opposite number. But when it came to the French, like you know, you'd have the you'd have ten fellas at the table, like all you'd have six props and four second rows. You know what I mean? They wouldn't be the brightest anyway. You know what I mean? <laughs> and we'd have we'd have no French, and they'd have no English. We would have a great night. We just to be like we sign language, and we'd have a few drinks and the whole lot. But um, they were the challenging ones. But uh, no, overall, I must say, I enjoyed the amateur game. I, I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to enjoy the professional game. And um, there's there's a there's a happy medium in there somewhere. I can guarantee you because you know a happy team is a good team. Um, it's not all about hard work. You have to play. With it. That was former Munster and Ireland player Mick Galway speaking about the late Gary Halpin. Gary passed away on Tuesday the 23rd of February at his home. I'm Stephen Byrne and you're listening to the Knock On Scoreline.ie's rugby podcast. We're continuing with our tributes to Gary Halpin and now we're going to hear from former Leinster captain Chris Pitt. Yeah, look, uh, absolutely massive character. It was always the biggest... The biggest presence in the room. I was very, very fond of him. Um, I didn't play a lot with him, but certainly when he came into the Leinster scene first, he uh, he certainly knew how to light up a room. Uh, just absolutely massive guy. Great player, to be fair. I mean, I remember when he he was late coming to the game. He came from obviously from the Hammer, and had been at the Olympics and stuff. And he came back or to, to the World Championships, and he came back that season. So I don't know what year that would have been. Bull. 87 maybe something like that and he came he, he joined Wanderers and in his first game he scored four tries I thought he was a, he's a prop he's like what the hell is going on here 
So anyway, he wasn't long adjusting to the life of proper behavior for a prop. He nearly would have got thrown out of the union, I'd say, for uh, that sort of behavior. But uh, look, a massive guy. I only met him there recently enough in Kilkenny over a coffee there in McDonald's. And I was, I was with Louise, my wife, and I'd say we're there for two hours. You never, you never, I don't think he drew breath the whole time we were there. But massive, massive character and uh, yeah, huge loss. Absolutely, he's a great man for the stories. Yeah, great man for the stories. Yeah, I don't know whether you saw the one online that I saw there this morning about um, having to move his car halfway through the game. I was reading about it before talking yeah, to you brilliant. today. Um, yeah, just I haven't to, heard that one before. Yeah, London Irish, um, the back in his time at London Irish. Yeah, of course, London Irish, yeah. Leinster, he's 11 caps with Ireland. Um, yeah, and, and a great sportsman because, like you said, he was a he, he represented Ireland in the Hammer. Um, it's sort of unusual in the sense that you know two sports, but he was very, he was good at both of them. Um, but obviously, big into his sport. But like he, he never took how would you call it? He had a great attitude, I suppose. Laid, laid back, but it took his job seriously, of course, as well as yeah, good. exactly. Yeah, no, he was able to do both. He was able to be. The messer and the athlete, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, look, smashing guy, very fond of him. And uh, yeah, my name, a huge loss to, to everybody. But yeah, look, obviously to his family as well, incredibly difficult. It. And Chris, him and his dad, of course, uh, part of Kilkenny Rugby Club and helping That's out there right, as well, yeah. where, where they can, like yourself. Yeah, would have met, would have met, would have met his dad a good bit when we came down to Kilkenny first. And we were obviously the new boys in town. And uh, he was very helpful to us, and it was, it was, it was a help, help along the way, helping us get assimilated into life in Kilkenny. That's it. Um, and of course, uh, he spent a lot of time in London as well. He, when he moved back, I think a couple of years ago uh, as well. But uh, right, big, yeah. big background in teaching, and he came back to the Cistercian in Ross, Ross Gray. Um, That's right. As well, yeah. so very well respected in uh, teaching circles and academic circles as well. Yeah, no, no, he he got on well now. I think I think he was in Wales actually. He was teaching, um, so I hadn't seen him for ages. And then when he was looking to come back, um, I met him a couple of times before he actually bit the bullet. And he was kind of asking around, and I don't know whether he was looking for advice. I don't know why he was talking to me, but um, yeah, yeah. So he made the he made the decision to come back, and I think uh, I think it was working out well. So it was uh, it was just at the time when Ross Gray had. Stopped boarding. Remember the, remember they closed the boarding house, and they were then looking at so obviously load of the uh, the old the old the old boys. Um, obviously drummed up a few quid to keep the show on the road. It looked like the college might might fold altogether, but you know they got it back up on the road, and uh, he seems to be getting on well there. So I hadn't to be fair, I hadn't spoken to him now for 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 a while. So. Um, that's it, Chris. What he's known for, I suppose, and and we were talking about it earlier, is uh, he scored a try against New Zealand in the nineteen ninety five World Cup. Um, there was a yes. penalty, and he got the ball and he crashed over. Um, the celebration will be remembered as well for people that know of Gary, but but never seen the try. He stood up afterwards and he threw up the middle finger, sort of in the direction of Sean yes. Fitzpatrick, um, and he explained afterwards why. He done it as well. It's, it's <coughs> things, Chris, isn't it? When you have all this expectation, and uh, I suppose it's not fear, but the All Blacks were huge. They still are. They were, 
They yeah. were just this godlike rugby team at the time, and to get over and crash over a try against them, the first yeah. try of the game was like, oh my God, this is biblical. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I actually remember it quite well because um, I'd actually been in New Zealand and I played for Hawks Bay against Auckland, and it was the same sort of stuff that Sean Fitzpatrick would drive you insane because they literally had... They were such massive characters. Like I was playing for Hawks Bay, who were completely intimidated by they Auckland at 13 All Blacks on the pitch that day. And I was getting really, really frustrated because, you know, Hawks Bay were a lot better than they were giving themselves credit for. But they were just totally intimidated. The ref was totally intimidated by Fitzpatrick. He had him in his pocket and it was, you know, the sense of frustration I can absolutely relate to. Uh, how annoying they were to play against because they, you know they just rammed it down your throat so i 100 percent sympathy for what he did i'm not saying it was the right thing to do but uh look sure yeah it's 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 a good story and that adds to his uh to his folklore and his legend that was former Leinster captain Chris Pym talking about the late Gary Halpin. I'm Stephen Byrne and you're listening to The Knock On, Scoreline.ie's rugby podcast. Now we're going to hear from former Ireland and Leinster player Shane Byrne. Shane played and toured with Gary throughout their careers. Devastating, uh, to tell you the truth. Um, you know, we when we... When we hear news like this of, of a guy who we all spent a huge amount of time with, it's it's really devastating. Um, you know, everybody's very aware of the Anthony Foley and the ripple effects that came from that. Well, Gary was that kind of character as well. Um, if you ever met Gary Halpin, you remembered meeting Gary Halpin. You never had to be said to you, do you, do you remember that guy? Now, of course you remember him because he was life and soul, um, a superb tourist, the, the closest thing to a natural comedian I ever met. He would just come out with one-liners that would absolutely break you up. And um, that's that's what the man was. He had a superb outlook on life. Uh, he you know, would encourage young lads right the way through whenever you're in the squad. He came to Leinster for the end of his you know, last couple of seasons of his career. And brilliant at the young guys there, coaching guys on, mentoring them. And, um, you know, just an all-around good guy. And for it to happen in the way that it did, it just, it's, yeah, it, it's really upsetting. And, you know, I feel so much for the family. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I was talking to Mick Galway yesterday, Shane, and he said he was the type of lad that you needed on tour because if you got your backside walloped by the All Blacks or wherever it was, he says he was the man you needed in the dressing room to get the spirits lifted. Yeah, no, and that's what he would do. He would come out with a one-liner, you know, when you're all sitting there in the depths of depression, he'd come out with a one-liner, like, did you see me, you know, <laughs> sidestep whatever his name is? Although the problem is probably your man had the ball at the time, you know, something <laughs> just ridiculous. I always remember him, uh, we were doing a pre-season camping in Loughborough over in England, and it was when wobble boards and all this were starting to be introduced and balancing and everything. And Gaza would have been pretty much old school. And we're there on the wobble boards at one point and he's trying to get his, <laughs> his balance together. And the coach says, now, OK, lift one leg up, up Gaza. Because he goes, uh, I, I thought we were trying to be rugby players, not Jedi Knights. 
you know, it's just something like that that would crack you up and just keep you, you know, right in the good frame of mind when things were starting to get hard. Shane, talk to me about when you met him first. Yeah, um, I he was over in uh, London Irish and uh, then Harlequins and um, he would have started, I was in Irish camp from about 93 and just started meeting him then and uh, this real bubbly character and because uh, he's a pretty... Pretty gruff, gruff looking lad. I don't know what Carol, his wife, ever saw in him. You know, it must have been the personality. But um, he, you know, just instantly you'd you'd uh, you'd bond with him. You know, you just start to get on with him, and then you know, on and off through the years, getting to know him. But then I suppose where I got to know him best was we were on the um, Ireland development tour to New Zealand and Western Samoa in 1997, which was the worst tour I was ever on by a long shot and Gary was the oldest development player ever on the planet I think he was 31 or something at the time <laughs> he was captain and it was Brian Ashton's uh, first coaching anything in Ireland and for anyone knows that Brian Ashton era was a disaster and it started off bad and just continued on from there he just didn't get the Irish psyche at all and it was a horrendous tour that we Miss Evan and Gary you know Brian Ashton didn't know many of the people, including us. So basically he picked the same side the whole time, which didn't include either of us. So we spent an awful lot of time together, uh, just whiling away the hours, chatting and just having fun ourselves. And, you know, after that, you know, obviously he went back to England to play his rugby and continued on from there. And then thankfully he came to Leinster for a few seasons uh, towards the end, two or three seasons, which just, you know, it was absolutely fantastic. Just a, a, a fantastic breath of fresh air. Very intense about his rugby. Loved his rugby. A superbly talented man. Like, you know, um, and he represented Ireland in athletics as well. You know, in the in the shot put and, um, and the hammer as well. And, um, you know, but just you know, one of these guys that, as, as Mick Galway said, you want him on a tour. You just want him on a tour for, for those points that just when you need, because cabin fever does set in when you're on tour. You're around the same guys a lot. And if you just have this guy who's, you know, making light of things, seeing the world in just a different way, that's the kind of way he was. And then towards the end, I suppose, their recent years, myself and a guy called Lendonine started up the uh, Ireland-England Legends games. And uh, Gary played in that for nearly a decade. And uh, yeah, it was just great to have him back in the change room. And look, we're all big kids at heart. And he, he was the biggest kid at a lot of them. Yeah, the, the yeah. Legends Tour, Shane, are great for getting the, the band back together, more or less. Um, and Mick spoke about it as well. Um, it's just really important because all these relationships were developed over years. And I'm sure, obviously, this week there's plenty of WhatsApp groups and conversations yeah. going on and stories. And do you remember this and that? Hugely important, too, to have that network as well, Shane. It's particularly now when we're talking in the middle of COVID. You'd like normally you'd head down to Kilkenny and go to the family and visit the house and you know, and talk to his relations and all that sort of stuff. But that that's sort of out the window now with COVID as well. So it's important to have some sort of a network to be able to talk to people about this stuff too. Oh, it is. And and like, it, it hits hard. You know what I mean? Like everyone's, as I said, like within the, the, the Legends group, we've lost two of our regular players, like Anthony Foley and, and now Gary. And um, it, it's, it's a hard thing. And, 
you know, you know when you start getting phone calls late at night or early in the morning that there's something wrong, and um, you know that you just you hope it's it's nothing like unfortunately what it was, but it's 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 a big, you know, we're gonna we're gonna change the way I think players are taken care of after rugby and how they take care of themselves. Uh, I'm heavily involved with the Rugby Players Ireland. And um, yeah, I think it's time we just need to start taking care of players a little bit more. I'm not saying that anything wrong is happening, but it's just we can't lose, you know, such such lights as those two guys were, such, you know, such important characters to, you know, anything that we all were for rugby for such a long time in something that you never know might have been able to be spotted or assisted you know it's just i think it's worth it you know the, any any hassle we go through it's, it's just worth catching up with these guys you know yeah absolutely shane shane any um stories in particular you want to talk to about about gary anything that stand out from the years ah, yeah, anything well, look, that can be told on air yeah well that's the thing now there's many there's many a tour that's uh there's many a tour and story that uh, can never be told because <laughs> you know very very male orientated but uh, look you know we all know i was lucky enough to be in the world cup of 95 out in south africa and his amazing uh, try against new zealand now the game went away from them after that but that was gary all over was that you know it was all or nothing to him and um you know, the, the abuse that the New Zealanders were given Ireland, how pathetic we were before that game. And we all know that famous picture of him flipping the bird <laughs> to, to the All Blacks. Like, that has never been done since or before. He's the only man on the planet ever to do that, you know. And, you know, like, there's been so many times when you're in the depths, like we did an Irish camp, um, or an Irish camp with the Army uh, up in the Glen the Mall. And uh, really, really hard things for the weekend. Now, you couldn't do it now to the precious guys that they are now. But back then, you could. they just lock us away and uh, run the hell out of us. And uh, I remember everyone going back to the dorm kind of area. And you're absolutely exhausted. Like, you're physically, they've absolutely destroyed you. And all you want to do is get asleep. And for some reason, Gary just started telling stories. And they're hilarious. Absolutely hilarious stories. And he just wouldn't stop. And like it's three in the morning and you're up in an hour or two and he just wouldn't stop telling these stories. And you're crying with laughter, you know, and there's nothing you can do. You just have to keep going with him. And everyone's trying to get him to shut up. He just wouldn't stop. Absolutely hilarious. And he was shattered like. Oh, absolutely right. But that was him. That was him. And, and, you know, he had just decided that like he's telling stories and he just kept going, you know. Now we're going to hear from Kilkenny man Ian Dowling. Ian's a former Munster player and represented Ireland at the Wolfhound squad during his playing days. Ian was a part of Kilkenny Rugby Club growing up and he spoke about how Gary's try against the All Blacks spurred on a generation of youngsters to follow the rugby dream. It was a bit before my time, um, but uh, I suppose we would have mixed in the same circles um, through past players. And uh, um, when the news broke then yesterday in the, the few different groups, uh, the, it was just kind of, uh, just, it was just the same, I suppose, sadness, but also um, 
the support for what a um, what a great guy he he, uh, he was. And uh, uh, but for for me, no, unfortunately, I never got to know him as, uh, as well as uh, um, other past players. His dad, of course, um, you probably would have known from Kilkenny Rugby Club as well. He would have helped out there, um, you know, back in the day as well. Yeah, um, so it, growing up playing rugby in, uh, in the in the rugby club, um, his dad Tom obviously would have been there um, week in week out. So I still uh, uh, can picture him at the matches and there um, in the clubhouse uh, afterwards. But I suppose that for me, yeah, like the most iconic image of um, of that, I suppose the World Cup uh, was. Ireland when uh, they played the All Blacks and um, Gary won when he got the try and uh, two his celebration thereafter there's probably few uh, moments when I was watching rugby as a as a kid um, where I just wanted to straight away get up and go out and train and play rugby um, because one for him to kind of to score against the All Blacks that was it that like back then that was impossible um and then like uh it was we were i suppose always led to believe that that couldn't be done and for it to be a kenny man that scored it it kind of uh, i suppose in some ways it helped you dream as a kid kind of so um i thought that was incredible but to be quickly outdone by his celebration then after the, the try was uh was pretty special and i think for most people um uh, yeah, look, it was uh, it was a pretty I- iconic moment, and uh, um, yeah, for a young lad growing up, um, I think it was straight out onto the onto the rugby pitch practicing after that. Uh, absolutely, um, the celebration was something else. Uh, it, it, it it isn't done very often or at all. Um, giving the middle fingers uh, towards Sean Fitzpatrick and the All Blacks after scoring a try against him takes a fair amount of balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Like, I, I think he he spoke he spoke afterwards about it, and uh, um, again, it was kind of where he spoke about like kind of the whole build up to to that match. They were just all led to believe that um, you know, like they did go on and get hockey. <laughs> Let's not forget that. Uh, but they weren't even. Uh, um, we were all made to believe that scoring against the All Blacks um, just couldn't be done, and. Uh, so for him to go and score a try, it was brilliant. But I suppose then shortly afterwards, uh, when um, the celebration was quickly like, oh, this might not go, might not go so well. But look, it, it, it's it was great. It kind of I suppose it, it like a, it might be it might seem a bit silly, but like kind of you dare to dream then as a kid growing up. Yeah. Because even re- recently, like Henry, I'm just flashing back to when in Munster we 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 played the All Blacks. Um, you know, like the All Blacks nearly went, like didn't concede a try, only for Barry Murphy to kind of um, run over in the corner against, you know, all odds there again. So it is great that it was a, it was a Kenny man, it was Gary. And uh, um, from like all the support that's come out and all the past players from um, to teammates, to opponents here in Munster, Leinster, and then not a, like a, abroad from like a, his time over in London Irish and that it's um you you just know he was a he, he was a great man uh, respected by all and uh, um and uh, admired by many. 
Absolutely. Great character and plenty of them in rugby as well. But uh, uh, Gary is certainly one of those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was former Munster and Ireland player and, of course, Kilkenny man Ian Dowling. I'm Stephen Byrne and that's it from the Knock On Rugby podcast on scoreline.ie. Today we were paying tribute to a legend of Irish rugby, Kilkenny man Gary Halpin. Don't forget to visit scoreline.ie for more on rugby and, of course, if you're into your GAA, we've got the Clash Act podcast, all things MMA and lots more. Talk to you soon.